Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! bringing you another podcast here. We appreciate you guys tuning in wherever you might listen in on us at supertalk.fm or wherever you're getting podcasts. We want to thank you guys for listening, especially the great service men and women out there taking care of us. We're going to try to take care of you with a great pod today. we got a lot to talk about. I want to thank our sponsor, Strange Brew Coffeehouse, Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. They Evidently, they gave Joe Moorhead some sort of shout-out or something. That's what he said today at the presser. said that uh, Strange Brew sent him a DM. Shout-out to Joe Moorhead for some free advertising for our great sponsor. Absolutely. Um, I, I, we had nothing to do with that. We didn't set that up in any way. It was just, you know, obviously Joe is a loyal listener, and that's why he, had to, he, he decided, I'm going to help Strange Brew out a little bit myself. So appreciate that. Nothing wrong with that, you know. Joe Moore had a lot to say at that press conference uh, today. And but before th- we get to what he said, yeah, we hadn't said this in a while. Yeah, but I would like to encourage our loyal listeners to give us a five star. Five star. Go to your iTunes. Mm-hmm. Go to wherever you review your podcast, mm-hmm. and all it takes just a second. Mm-hmm. It could take you more if you want to write us a review, like mm-hmm. the lovely person that wanted me to quit wooing because said this isn't Arkansas, folks. If there's anyone out there that doesn't know why I woo, God help you. What the hell is wrong with that person? <laughs> but if you want to criticize the woo, I'm all for that as long as... You know why he we woo. Well, you can do that. But as long as you still leave a five-star five star review. Absolutely. You're free to say whatever as Absolutely. long as you leave. So five star. Speaking of five-star podcast, I started listening to the Arn part podcast. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's so weird what listening to... What did you just to- say? The Arn? Arn. Arn oh, Anderson. Arn Anderson. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it's so weird when I listen to those podcasts, wrestling podcasts, people you never hear curse on TV. They cuss all and like sailors. Double A just dropped an F-bomb. I was like, wow. <laughs> I didn't expect that, Double A, but worth a listen. All right. Let's talk about Joe Moorhead. A different kind of press conference today for Joe Moorhead. Different's um, a good word. That was that yeah. was different. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't really know what to make of it. Well, you've now had what we're, we're recording at night, folks. About, about so eight and a half hours. Eight now. and a half hours. So, what do you make of it now? I still don't really know what to make of it. Um, I don't know if it came across as a plea for patience or a cry for help. I don't know which one it is. I think it's a little of both, to be totally honest with you. I had a lot of different emotions. All right, you, you got a t- lot of different feelings. You took you start us off then. Maybe, maybe I can come along with you on the path. All right. First off, first emotion, and, and if you hadn't watched this, folks, go to Sports Talk Mississippi Facebook. Uh, Brian Haydad, give that a, a like. Did an outstanding job recording all of, all of the happenings yeah. at, the, at the Seal Complex on Monday. So go, go go watch that and then you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But most of you that listen to this podcast, you saw it on Twitter. You you can go to uh you know I, I'll go to my Twitter timeline and you can click on it and see the transcript of mm-hmm. of the part of the if you're more of a reader. Yeah, if you if you'd rather read because I truthfully I've always been more of a reader. I'm more likely to read something than I am to go click on a video somewhere personally. But so however you want it. There's multiple ways to find it. Uh but most of you listening know what we're talking about anyway, so I won't spend time going right. delving into that. But the first emotion I had was just the plain old human emotion uh-huh. of it. Because, like, that was not an act from Joe Moorhead today. That, that is one thing I will say. I don't think any of that was manufactured. He did not get up there with the design to put on a, a, a play 
and make you feel sorry for him. If you felt sorry for him, then you felt sorry for him, but that was not designed some kind of, you know, elaborate script to elicit that emotion. The guy that stood up there today was genuine Joe Moorhead. Um, he is a... He said it himself. I, I'm not... I'm not putting any words in his mouth. I'll use his words. He is a people pleaser in that I, he wants people to like him. And I don't despise, you know, it's not like I'm sitting here criticizing that because quite frankly, you probably, if you listen to this show enough, you probably think I may be a people pleaser because I kind of am too. I kind of want everybody, I, I would like for everyone to like me. That's, that's, kind of how i'm wired yeah. like and, and a lot of it you know if you if you say something to me on twitter or whatever a lot of times i'm gonna respond because i want to explain my where i am on things and you know we can agree to disagree on things most times and that's how i can kind of relate a little bit to that and, and so anyway that's that's how joe kind of is and i could relate to the human element of that and i could relate to the human element of you know, I, I've seen people, you know, name calling and and just going crazy on Joe Moorhead. Look, he he makes three million dollars. He deserves every bit of criticism he gets. I mean, there's no way around that. I'm not, I'm not disputing that. But for the fact that some people take it too far, you know, he told the story of, of his daughter and out there, and you know, people yelling out and telling her daddy, you know, that that he sucks kind of thing and of course he admitted that on that day at Tennessee I did suck <laughs> I mean it's not like he was running from it he owned it that was another part of the day but uh from, from that the human aspect of it I I could relate to that too and uh so so much of it I could just I did kind of feel for the man because I don't think that average Joe Blow that has a nine to five and and sits around the water cooler. I'm not making fun of any job no don't misunderstand me but I don't think the average folk, I don't even think you and I sitting here, we sit here and talk about it. We don't know how much that wears on Joe Moorhead because he looked like a man standing up there today that this is wearing on a little bit. I mean, is that fair? Did you did you get that out of it, that this yes. is at least kind of – and you can say that that's a good it's thing. It's starting because to he, grind on him. You could say it's a good thing because he cares, or you could say it's a bad thing because you need to be able to just soldier through. I, I don't know how you feel on that. But one way or the other, it, it seemed like this is kind of getting to him. And yeah, maybe that's a good thing. Because well, that's, it, it that's could... my question now is is when when something starts to grind away at you and you realize that man, what I'm doing is not working. There's only two kinds of people: the people who say, "Okay, I've got to make a change," or the people who just say, "Well, I'm what I've said so many times before: the coaches who would rather lose their way than win anybody else's." Which one is Joe Moorhead? My gut instinct, because of that people-pleasing nature, mm -hmm. he wants so badly, I think. And that's another part. That's where I was going to go a minute ago. There, To me, and you may disagree with this, I don't know, a lot of people criticize Joe Moorhead because he's doesn't put forth a lot of fire on the sidelines, whatever. I think Joe Moorhead is one of the most competitive people you'll ever meet. I think there's a fire that burns deep in that man's belly. Mm -hmm. He's not the guy, type of guy that's going to stand out there and, you know, rip somebody a new one in front of God and everybody and you know he's not a he's not a Nick Saban you know he's not a a, a real emotional dude that's going to sit there with the veins bulging and, and you know that that isn't who he is and how he displays it but there's a passion inside of him and I think he wants people to like him and I think 
above all else, he wants to be successful. So I'm, I think he is a guy that's going to do everything that he can to turn this thing around. Now, I, I'm not, I maintain what I said a day ago. If you ask me if I think he can turn it around, the answer is no. I don't think he can. I, at this juncture, I don't have any faith at all that's going to happen. But to me, from what I heard him say, and from the way that it seems like it's getting to him, I would be shocked if you just continue to see the same old, same old, same old. And I think that you, he did today, he did on Monday exactly what, not that I'm some, you know, prophet or whatever, but actually, Joel was a prophet, you know. Prophet he was Joel, a prophet, prophet Joel. Yeah. But, uh, he My did middle exactly. name is Matthew. I was, I was an apostle, so I got you beat on that. That's true. Uh, We'll go down that road some other time. Uh, <laughs> but he did do today, I mean, by coming out and naming Garrett the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's as, the first step. I, I said yesterday that I thought that would be the first step to, to making the changes that needed to be made, and he made it. He, he came out on Monday, and he didn't beat around the bush. As soon as I asked him the question, he said, oh, Garrett's going to start. Yeah. And Tommy's going to back him up. And he came out immediately and said that. And so – that gives you hope. Now, I know that there are people screaming at the radio, about time, should have happened two or three weeks ago, should have happened this, that, and the other. I get that, people. I mean, I, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have done it already. Um, you know, should he have done it at Tennessee? Even Garrett said after the game at Tennessee that he'd been hurt all week. So I can kind of see why he went with Tommy to start. Now, I think I would have pulled Tommy quicker than he did, but – we can we can argue the minutia of all that all day long, but the bottom line is he's now making that change. He's going to a true freshman quarterback over the guy that hitched his wagon to Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead, Tommy Stevens. He 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 is I don't want to say casting him aside, but he's basically said, "All right, you had your shot, and we're better now with the true freshman." So sorry, yeah. Tommy. And and so to me, that indicates that he is willing to pull out some stops here to try and patch the holes in this boat. I mean, it, it, I'm not saying it's going to work, but you're seeing indications that might give you at least a glimmer of hope. And again, am I optimistic it's going to work? No. But I do think Naaman Garrett was uh, the first step up a long, long ladder to get to where he wants to be. Is relinquishing play calling a step on this ladder? <sighs> I, the thing is, though, Brian, if you do that... Why did you hire Joe Moorhead? Well, I mean, Dan Mullen had an offensive coordinator. That's he, true. he was doing the play. I think Mullen did a lot of the play calling, but Brian, he at least had the other people. You can to have some them. Ve- some veto. He, I mean, even Hevesy had a coordinator, and like a guy like Michael Johnson, who's been an offensive coordinator in That's college true. and in the NFL. A guy like, um, oh God, I, I, Briner has been a play caller before. Uh, Tony Hughes has been a head coach. You know, I mean, you got some options there. If you want to do it this season, or if not, you can always you know come back and look at it next. I mean, he had an offensive coordinator last year in Getze, and we learned in the offseason that Getze had a far bigger role in the offense than we ever thought. Yeah, shout out Will Salmon if you're listening. Yeah, uh, for his article in the Athletic. And hey, Joel, <laughs> he texted me today. Actually. Did he? Yeah, I te- he texted hey, me. Will. He texted me uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but uh, he's doing good. You know, Joe coming into this year. And, you know, ever since the crap's kind of hit the fan, I don't know that we've delved into this anymore, but was talking about how he was going to have a bigger role in the offense this year, sit at the front of the table, that sort of deal. I mean, he's the play caller. I, maybe it is. Maybe that takes some of the the, the the pressure, if that's the word, off, because as a head coach there's other responsibilities and things to do, too. I, 
I don't know. Maybe that's the answer. Uh, is there someone that 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 could call plays that you know? At the, this juncture, the, at this juncture, anybody else? I, <laughs> this sounds terrible to say, but it it really feels like. And there, there's some hyperbole here that pretty much anybody else could be a little more creative than what we've seen so far. The thing is, the problem is, I guess, is that Moorhead, there's nobody on staff. Losing Getze and Huff, I guess Briner could do it, but that like really understands the concepts of the offense. Michael Johnson, is, it, this is his first year in this offense. Hughes, same way, you know. I wouldn't. I don't think Marcus Johnson or Terry Richardson are going to be calling plays. If so, there's anybody on staff, it'd be Briner. It'd be Briner, yeah. Who I haven't been overly impressed with. As as a as a quarterbacks coach, you know Fitzgerald did not improve. Tommy Stevens, you know, has seems to have regressed in a matter of weeks. You know, I I know there's there's, there's yeah. other factors for that, but and then Keaton Thompson didn't ever get any better, and they had to go out and get a transfer. So, but I mean, that's the only really option, you know, for this year if you want to do that. You know, do you want to do it next year? And then you're talking about if you're going to you know really hire an offensive coordinator, you know, I, I don't know how that would work, you know, because I don't I don't. You know, Moorhead, that's how he made his bones. That's, what I, that, that's what I was saying originally when you asked me the question. Yeah. I just feel like at that point, you're, you're I mean, then taking away the one the one calling card that he had when he came here was his, his play calling and his offense. I mean, if you're going to take that key away from him, then, you know, I, why is he still here? You know? <laughs> well, I mean, but you can be a uh, a CEO-type guy. I yeah, mean, that's, that's fair. You know, Mullen, Mullen can, Mullen's probably not the best example, but... There are other all guys who were quarter. Jimbo Fisher was an offensive coordinator, but now you know he lets other guys. You work together, you know. You make you know one guy's calling the plays, but as Moorhead says, he's got fifty-one percent of the vote. Yeah. If you like something different, we can go with that. But you got to you know you can't use it every five plays. You got to be judicious with it. I don't know. I don't know what the next step is for Joe Moorhead, but what what we have to hope is that today was the first day of the new Joe Moorhead, a guy who is going to do things a little differently and try to find a better way. You, you, you tried your way for basically a season and a half. It didn't work. You have two options now. Change and find something that does work or don't change and, you know, then hit the bricks. Here's the thing. Because you are going out. The thing that concerns me the most I guess, after hearing what he said today. And I, I just kind of praise him because I'm kind of the same way. I don't know that I would be a good head coach because of that people-pleaser thing. Like, I do want to, you know, I, I try and relate and get along with everyone. There's a lot of people in my life, quite frankly, that that are difficult to get along with, mm-hmm. that I try my best to get along with and, and have good relationships with. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? So, I mean, I, what I'm saying is, though, as a head coach, when you have 120 guys under your leadership and you want every one of them to like you mm-hmm. and respect you and that whole nine yards, like, I, it goes back to the does Daddy take his belt off enough thing. Right. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Some I'm of not the accusing. best coaches in college football are jerks. Well, you just, you know, two years ago had one. Saban. I mean, Saban is not a warm and fuzzy kind of guy. He, I would never consider him a player's coach. Now, he loves his players. He wants them to succeed, but it's definitely he's in charge. There's no inmates running the asylum on yeah, his shit. I mean, you mentioned that. When Mullen was here, I wrote a column about Dan that was basically 
crediting Dan. It was actually during the 2016 season, that was the sermon year that mm-hmm. was so – Yeah. and people were saying Dan didn't care kind of thing. And then he had that day where he stayed with us up there in the press box. Yeah, the, after the press conference for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Prior to today, just, that was the oddest press conference we ever had. <laughs> Probably maybe so. But Dan stayed up there, and, and just anyway, I was – I was so impressed by what I heard. That I wrote a little column and was basically praising Dan and saying, look, you don't have to – you think he's checked out or whatever, but he, he, he didn't kind of it – it was a praising thing on Dan. And, and, and I was later told by MSU Athletics employee that he was shown that, that column. And uh, his response to it was, oh, it's a nice article. I don't need anyone to kiss my – but nice article kind of thing. Yeah. Like <laughs> – I think that Dan doesn't care. You know, you want to kiss his butt? Fine. Mm-hmm. If you want to hate him? Fine. He does not care. Doesn't give a crap. And he had to be presented with that or he'd have never seen it. Yeah. I, I don't know that I, – I feel like I, – I know that Joe doesn't pay attention to Bob from Bogachita. Mm-hmm. To me, I feel like he pays a little more attention than he lets on. Do you think that's and, fair? And, and on the other side of that coin, Dan didn't know that Bob from Bogachita existed. Mm-hmm. Did not know. Did not care. Did not care. And if you saw Bob from Bogachita, he's liable to flip him the bird. Who knows? Yeah. So we're going to see what happens. We're going to see if you know. Here, here's the problem for Moorhead. You can say all this, and we can institute some changes and make some different things happen. You're still playing LSU on Saturday. Yeah, you're getting your tail whipped. You're getting whipped, no matter what. I guess it's just a question of can you come out and look different? Are you doing some things differently? Because if you are, maybe that gives you some hope that hey. Maybe they could go to Texas A&M and find a way to win. Because A&M's not any good. So we'll see. You know, litmus test come out. How, I mean, we, I think you mentioned yesterday, if the score was 51-31, people would go nuts. Like, we're going to be okay. Yeah, we scored we're gonna 31 against. Okay. It's going to be all right. Yeah, but, you know, the fact of the matter is that you're, when you're looking at 49-7, you know, what, what are we talking about? So, very interesting day for Joe Moorhead. Don't know if that's going to be a turning point or not. It could be a, it could be a situation, Joel, for real, that we come back in two years and states, you know, at the end of the Egg Bowl and states won 10 games and we look back at that day and go, that's the day where it all turned around for Joe Moorhead. Or we could look at the end of this Egg Bowl and states 5-7 and seven and missing a bowl game and we go, well, all that was obviously crap. I mean... I don't know which one it is. There's been a couple moments in this Joe Moorhead tenure where you thought that was the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Auburn game last year after that game with... Kind of the you know the pre snap motion stuff and all the the different things that we kind of saw that day. You were kind of like, oh, there, Joe does have some wrinkles he can throw in there. He's a s- smart dude, you know. This is going to be a okay. And then, you know, after he goes to Ole Miss and just beats crap out of them, and then you know, yells at the acting AD or whatever he did on the field, and then says, you know, we play with class, but we don't take bleep off anybody kind of thing. And I thought then might be a moment where, hey, he's got the fans, everything's rolling, and then Iowa came. He's had these moments, these up-and-down moments where so you thought, where so you thought this may be the moment, and here's another one. Yeah, Maybe that Tennessee loss, maybe it's the moment. Or then again, maybe it's just one of the final cries for help. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. We, we won't know. And that's what makes this season, this journey so – so intriguing, but yeah. I guess the next step in it's LSU, and I don't. Aside from just having a good offensive showing and losing by twenty, I, I don't know what else could happen any better than that because they're not beating LSU. No, I mean, there's. Is this the first game? Them beating LSU to me would be a bigger upset than South Carolina beating Georgia. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, 
Is, is this the first game? When is the last time before this coming Saturday that State went into a game and the chance of them winning was zero? The last time they played Alabama. Okay, well that's fair. But outside of Alabama games, <laughs> I didn't think outside of the outside of Alabama games, I would say. I don't remember. Something in 16, maybe? But even, even then... Even in 16, I thought... maybe. I mean, I thought LSU was probably that way, but they only lost by three or six or something like that. It was close. Um, I mean, they had, to, they had to come back, but they did come back to get into the game. Um, and LSU wasn't great in 16. I mean, they fired Les Miles. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, that's a good question. I don't remember the last time I thought no chance for State to win outside of an Alabama game. Now, Alabama has been that way every year since, for me, since 2010. I thought in 2010 they went over there. That was a good MSU team. I thought they had a chance to win. Now, in 14, the, the chance went in zero. Okay, yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. Never mind, never mind. I forgot about it. I, 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 I blocked that out of my mind. 14, you're right. 14, I thought they had a good chance to win. 10, I thought they had a good chance to win. The rest of the time, I thought no. Maybe, I guess, Mullen's first year, I didn't think they were going to beat Florida. You know, I didn't think they were going to beat LSU that day. And of course, it was close. And should have beat LSU. Should have beat LSU. So that's good. These are good. Those are good. That's a good question, Joel. All right, we're gonna really switch gears here, but it's it's really really good news. All right, we we talked about a couple of weeks ago about Mississippi State basketball recruiting, and we said, uh, you know, gosh, it's you know, it's been a while since they've had a uh, a high profile recruit come on. Well, I guess I guess everybody's listening to Thunder and Lightning, and so because that's what uh, Ben Hallen went out and did, go out goes out to uh, Georgia and gets Devon. I don't know if it's Devon or Davion or what. But Devon Smith, a five foot pound point guard out of Loganville, Georgia, Grayson High School. If that high school's name is familiar to you, that is where the Kimdiche brothers uh, played high school football. So they're a powerhouse uh, football program for many, many years. The number 52 over, overall player in the country. So, I mean, we're talking about it. This is a high, high four-star player. A player on the verge of being a five-star player. Uh, and, of course, you know, you, you think, okay, well, recruiting rankings just sort of are what they are. But when you look at the offers, Louisville, Alabama, Oregon, uh, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Arkansas, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Xavier. Real programs offering this kid. Uh, this is a big, big catch for uh, for Ben Hallen for a position. You know, you, when you look ahead to next season, you don't know if Nick Weatherspoon is going to be back or not. I mean, he might just be tired of college at this point. Uh, and then, you know, you don't know really know what you have with Iverson, Molinar, and Devin Butts just yet. You needed somebody who could come in next year. And honestly, this is if this kid can be what his recruiting hype looks like, Joel, you would think it, it allows Nick to slide back over to the two. And then you're talking about what? I mean, we're going to have to play the projection game here a little bit, but that would be this kid, Smith, Weatherspoon, Woodard, the Smith kid, the transfer from Western Kentucky at the four. And then I don't know who's at the five just yet. Maybe Quentin Post can, can be that guy. I don't know. But this I think this this is a big move for Mississippi State. This is a big time recruit. And and it shows, you know, like we said with Howland, it 
Last year's recruiting class, he didn't have a a like a real signature guy. This guy is that. Yeah, yeah. This, huh? I'm trying to. Who was? I keep asking some questions here. Who was the last? This maybe there maybe maybe there's an obvious answer. Who was the last like out of state guy this hyped? That this hyped? Yeah. Let's, okay, let's look. Uh, Perry. Reggie Perry. Yeah. He's from Georgia. Yeah. Although uh, I, I I forget that Reggie's an out of state. Yeah, but he's kid. a legacy kid. So let's talk yeah. about it yeah, in those terms. You know, Reggie almost seems okay, like a dude. Just, that... just for a laugh, I'm looking at 24 seven and in the classes. The 2017 class, state evidently state men's basketball signed Nick Weatherspoon, Keyshawn Fazell, and Andrew Espinosa Hunter. <laughs> I need to fix that. Uh, let's see here. Here's the 2016 class. I mean, that's when you had a bunch of out-of-state kids. Schneider Harrard. Eric Holman. Uh, no, no, that was, that was his first class. That was the 15th class oh, okay. with Malik. Uh, Schneider Harrard, Mario Kegler, Eli Wright, Landry, Landry Walker. That's where he went to high school. Lamar Peters, Abdullah Du. All four-star and better players. You know, I guess in that class, Tyson's still here, obviously, but he's the hometown kid. But Lamar was probably the, the best of that group. Schneider Harrard was – Schneider Harrard, by the way, I always like to point that out. He was the highest-rated guy in that class. And he was Unbelievable. not a good basketball player. This was not. You know, uh, after you get past, what, the first top 100 or something like that, yeah, that's like, the thing. you just kind of have this you say that, of kids. Schneider Harrard was the number 47 player in the country. Wow. Kegler was number 50. State signed – Five top 100 players. And the top three, none of them are still here. They should all be seniors this year at worst, or they should have, you know, gone on to NBA for, fame and fortune. Instead, Schneider was 47, Kegler was 52, and Eli Wright was 80. Eli Wright's the only one still in college. He's at St. John's. I think he's at St. John's. I think yeah, he, he, yeah, this, should be his, this should be his last year. Yeah, Kegler packed it in too, didn't he? He's no he, got, he Well, he got kicked out of Baylor. Yeah. So what do you have to do to get, get kicked out of Baylor? I ain't going down that road. Bro. I mean, what do you have to do to get kicked? <laughs> wow. So anyway, uh, so this kid Devion's or Devon, I think it's it's got to be Devon because it's it's you tell me, D E I V O N, Devon, right? D E I V O N. If it was D E V I O N, it'd be Devian, but it's D E I V O N. It's Devon or Devon. It's either Devon or or Devon or something. Devon. D- oh, please be Devon. Get the table. Please be Devon. <laughs> I need to text Paul Jones. Find Devon. Out. I, I, I'm gonna be like, oh, testify. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be having fun with that if that's the case. All right. So, um, MSU's recruiting class at this point uh, ranked. It's not going to be very high because they only have two commits. Thirty third in the nation, but they only have two commitments. And I can't imagine there's a whole lot left to to give out. Perry, Tyson Carter, Datcher. But they lose a scholarship because of the probation. That's right. So they only have two slots to give, assuming there's not some more, you know, transition, which there always is. But they, so you might see one more guy in this class, maybe. All right. Let's move on and let's finish up the show with our SEC uh, predictions. And our predictions are brought to you by our good friends over at College Corner. Check them out online at collegecornerstore.com or visit either of their two locations in the Jackson metro area. They're by Fleet Feet over there in Ridgeland. Or if you're over in Flowood, they're over there by Half Shell. They've got the biggest selection of Mississippi State merchandise you're going to find. And you, we're going to help save you a little money. Just go into the store, mention the Thunder and Lightning Podcast, or shop online and put Thunder into the coupon tab, and you can get 15% off your order. 
When you're coming to Starkville, don't come to Starkville and wait in line at, at one of the places here. Don't do that. Get your stuff ahead of time. Go buy one of their two locations if you're coming up through Jackson or if you live in Jackson, or just shop online, again, at collegecornerstore.com and let those good po- folks take care of you. And remember, you can get 15% off by mentioning the podcast in person in person, or using Thunder in the coupon tab when you order online. Joel T. made up a game Somebody's on me this. Oh, that's, that's very disappointing. You didn't respond to me the other night. I was disappointed in that. I, was, I actually did not see that. I, I went to bed. I was asleep. I fell asleep watching the Florida LSU uh, game. I was somewhere between Chattanooga. Yeah, and... I woke up the next morning. No, I was. I, I guess I'd have been around Birmingham probably by then. I woke up the next morning and saw that, and then I found. I went to the Arkansas. I was like, "You have got to be kidding me!" Because <laughs> they were winning when I went to sleep. So, as always. All right, so one game up. We got a full slate of games to pick from here. We'll do it this way we've been doing it. The one, two, three. Honestly, I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of. I don't think we're going to have any dis- disagreements this week, but we'll see what happens. All right. Number nine, Florida, travels to suddenly resurgent South Carolina. Can the Gamecocks make it two upsets in a row? Let's find out. One, One two, two, three, three Florida. Florida. They cannot. They, they could. That would be a great story. If he somehow beat Florida, Georgia, back-to-back weeks. Man, that'd be something. All right. Number 11, Auburn, travels to Arkansas, uh, where Gus Malzahn could have been the head coach. But he's not. And Chad Morris is the head coach for now. Uh, Arkansas looking for that first conference win since... That's a good question, Brian. When is the last time Arkansas won a conference game? Uh, where's, my, where's my... here? Historical scores? i got to get my... My man Jay Howell will tell us the answer to this. It's been a while. It has. All right. So they didn't win any last year. 2017. Loss, loss, loss. The last... Con- their last conference win is against Ole Miss on October 28th, 2017, when they won 38-37. Remember that? They were down like 37-14 to in that game and came back. Yeah. So they are – were they 1-7 that year? Yes. So they are 1-15, and and then they've lost, what, three conference games so far this year? They lost to Ole Miss, Ole Miss A&M, A&M, and Kentucky. Kentucky. So they're 1-18 one and, one and 18 in their last 19. Now I'm looking back at 16 here. Hold on. Well, 16, they, they, they beat State. Well, they, they, beat, they, they beat Florida that year? Wow. Okay, whatever. 16 is no good. We won't count that. All that to say that we're both picking Auburn. I'm not even going to go through yeah, it. Yeah, there's no need to do the one. All right. All right. Missouri, who could win the East and not go to the SEC championship game, if things, you know, they, 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 they control their own destiny. They still have to play Florida and Georgia. Now, they don't have a conference loss yet. And they will not have one this week either because they're playing Vanderbilt, who is the worst Power 5 team in the country. We're calling that here. That's a Thunder and Lightning original. Uh, We'll both take the Tigers? Yes. No point in going through all that either. Kentucky, fresh off that huge win for Joel. Thank you. Thank you, Mark Stoops. I got a bad feeling for them this week because they're traveling to Athens. Got to think that the uh, the Georgia Bulldogs are going to be primed for a little uh, little anger management. Bulldogs? Yes. yes. Okay. Good. All right. <laughs> I'm not riding. Kentucky. There's only one game we might have some. I don't think we're gonna have disagreement. We might. But so we're gonna go to that one last. But the first one, it is it is it, it is the third Saturday in October this week. So good for the SEC for getting it right. As Tennessee, fresh off the biggest win of the year, God, travels to take on 
the number one ranked Crimson Tide. I think, when's the last time, that's another question for our friend Jay Howell, when's the last time that Tennessee beat them? Was it like 05, something like that? I think I think we're coming up on like 13 years of dominance. They beat him Saban's first year, like 07. All right, let's see here. Saban's first year. It was 07. He beat him. 06. They lost. 06. So this will be 14 straight if they win, which I think they will. Yeah. Okay. So here's the one game that you maybe want to, you may have a, a, a gut feeling on. I don't think we will, but it's Texas A&M at Ole Miss. One, two, three. A&M. Texas A&M. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I'm not. There's like a brief flicker in my mind of John Reese, John Rice Plumley rushing for like 350 yards against them or something. I will, I will say. It, will, I, it I, won't be the most shocking thing in the world if Ole Miss wins. That's what I was going to say. If, if Ole Miss wins that game, I'm not floored. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. What happens then with Jimbo? Because then they still have uh, LSU and uh, Georgia on the schedule. Hmm. So then they're looking, they've, they've already lost three. They would be looking at, if they lost Ole Miss, they'd be looking at six and six. Yeah. That's $75 million, my friend. And, and I tell you what, folks, we talked about this yesterday, I think, for a moment, but if Ole Miss wins this game, they're there's to, a high chance that that Egg Bowl is for the winner goes to a bowl game. Loser probably, probably winner goes to the Liberty Bowl or something. Yeah. Oh, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Like, All right. That, so that no. would make for some Thanksgiving night entertainment. Entertainment's an interesting word. That's an interesting choice of words, Joel. <laughs> All right, so no chance of uh, Joel catching me this week. We'll see what next. This is, I'm going to peek ahead to next week. I think next week's kind of a light slate. I don't think there's that many games, if I remember right. There are only five games. There's only one that we might disagree on. What's that? Oh, no. Well, I mean, answer. I got a... You got a device, can, too. I'm I just can saying. find it. It's Auburn LSU. Oh, yeah. Might have it. I don't think we will. But, I don't think we will either. But you never know. All right. Tomorrow's show, the rumblings, you know what the drill is. Get the questions in to us, and we will answer them. Uh, and uh, any kind of questions you have, you know that we will uh, do our best to get to them. Uh, and then Thursday, we'll talk to uh, Brody Miller from The Athletic. He's going to join us uh, to just preview LSU, Mississippi State. And of course, Joel and I will have some, some inside looks. And I'll get Joel's uh, you know, playmaker and prediction on, uh, on Thursday's show. Because as we said, Friday's show, the Augustinelli family joins me for our annual tradition, and as will hopefully, I haven't, I haven't confirmed with them yet, but Peter Burns of the SEC Network will also join us uh, to not only preview LSU, but to mercilessly insult my cousin Chris, which is always, always a pleasure for me. I look forward to tuning in. I appreciate that. Don't, yes, if, you, if you do listen, by the way, feel free to give us a five-star review. Have a great day. Talk to you guys tomorrow. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning. On Super Talk, Talk Mississippi Media Production.